Welcome back to Take a Moment. I'm Mari Yamaguchi. And I'm producer Josh Reed. Hey, Josh, what's your favorite subject? So I actually had a lot of favorite subjects in school, but I can tell you the one favorite subject that I did not have was math. Math was the absolute worst for me. <laughs> Why was it the worst? Because literally there's so much that goes into math that you can't control. Like, well, they say, oh, you know, all problems can be solved, but there's so many numbers that are involved, formulas, and it just went right over my head. And think about all the imaginary numbers there too, right? <laughs> exactly. They go on literally forever. Whereas <laughs> literally you just put forever. a good book or like a piece of paper in front of me. I'm a good writer. I can do all of that. But when it comes to can math, write forever. Yeah. You can write forever. (laughs) Well, if you are like Josh, like me, and like a lot of other students out there, then you will absolutely want to hear from today's guest, Lindsay Hall, Associate Director of Operations and Education at Rolls-Holman. So she runs what's called Ask Rose Homework Help, dedicated especially for those of us students uh, in high school, um, 6 through 12, and then also in college who struggle with math science, and everything in between. So what's interesting is I've, I've actually, when I was in school back in the day, I actually used Ask Rose. It was actually called the homework hotline at the time. Okay. And I used it often, and I even used it when I was in college because, uh, yes, they, they primarily focus on, what, six to or grade 6 to 12. Right. But I was able to call in as a freshman and sophomore in college in those chemistry classes that I definitely didn't understand, and they would actually take the time and help me, although I wasn't in, you know, a high school. And what's really interesting about Lindsay is not only – does she run this tutoring call center, for lack of better words, but she's also able to meld her passion for teaching. So what most people may not know about Lindsay is that she started out as a math teacher, and now she's able to really meld both of her passions of teaching and also enabling other potential teachers and helping other students as well along the way. I think the best part too about this Ask Rose call center or tutoring program Mm -hmm. is that it's all student driven. So the technology is so easy to utilize uh, even from a student standards that they're able to help out. Uh, and again, they're all Rose Holman uh, engineering students or math right. students. So they, they know what they're doing and they're enabled with the technology to, to do it well. Yeah, I think one of the best things Lindsay said was that the technology is so good that she doesn't even notice it. And that's the, that's that's the point, right? Right. It's to have technology that doesn't hinder your ability to work through the problems that are so necessary for these students to complete in such a timely fashion. Right. Exactly. So I think this is a great story, not only on what teaching and the passion for having teaching is, but also the importance of how technology can really help enable companies and also teachers be able to reach and connect with their students and with the world. So I hope you take a moment and listen with us. Lindsay Hull, thank you so much for coming and taking a moment with Mari and I. We're very happy to have you and welcome. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Before we get to questions regarding Rolls-Holman and your role, I want to ask you something really, really, really important. Yeah. If you could have coffee or a beer with any person from history, uh, someone who's passed away, somebody, um, a great leader or a great thinker, and if you could go back in time with your DeLorean, uh, who would you want to have coffee with or a beer with and why? Um, well, first, I'd want to have a Diet Coke with them. A Diet Coke, even better. Um, I do love history. 
I would say probably my favorite period of history to learn about is World War II. So maybe like a Winston Churchill. Okay. That would be really interesting. Would the cigar like, smoke bother you? I do have some allergies, but I feel like if we sat outside on a patio, you know, <laughs> um, it would be lovely. Okay. Once you <laughs> on got a porch through, like, and a white cigars, picket, you'd be ro- like, okay, rocking chair. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. What would you uh, What would you ask Winston Churchill if uh, if you could share a Diet Coke with the man? I would ask him like how he made the hard decisions. Mm. You know, like he made a lot of really hard decisions that affected a lot of lives and. What did he look to for wisdom and how did he make those hard decisions and just ask him to share about his leadership and his wisdom and how he did all that. I love it. He's somebody that I feel like has probably one of the best senses of humor. Yeah. uh, Especially from history. And when you read some of the things that he's said, it's just very witty oftentimes very biting and cutting, but yes. man, it's like I would love it, it to have received a personal insult from Winston Churchill. Right. <laughs> I would have qualified that as a as a career and life high. And it would have been written, Dear Nate, right? Yeah. <laughs> it would have been in written format. <laughs> yeah, it would have been in written form. It would have been eloquently put and probably stained with some uh, scotch and uh, <laughs> smelling of cigars once I got the letter in the mail, of course. Yes. Um, but Lindsay, fantastic answer. And that that's I know that's what all of our listeners uh, wanted to hear. Exactly. Yes. Well, especially coming from an educational institution, they were like, ah, oh, something oh, enlightening. I see. Yes, and I, I, see. I, th- I think it's interesting. <laughs> you being from Rolls-Holman, mm-hmm. um, I think it's fascinating that you didn't say like some brilliant mathematician in the in the past or something like Nikola Tesla I or something. I should have said that, but oh, well. no. See, <laughs> it's too I, late I now. Oh, your job is on the line now. Lindsay. <laughs> your job is on the line. Um, well, I know you are uh, the associate director for operations and education. That is a very long and impressive title. Can you give us a little bit of sense about what you do at Rolls Holman? Uh, what excites you? What you're passionate about? And uh, tell us a little bit about your day to day. Yeah, so for those of you that don't know about Rose Holman, we are the number one undergraduate engineering school in the nation, um, and I have very little to do with that. <laughs> I help run a program called Ask Rose that provides free math and science tutoring for middle school and high school kids. All of our tutors are Rose Holman students, so they are very good at math and science and enjoy that. Um, my title is very long. It never fits like when you're registering for a conference, never fits in the little box to put it all in. So the way I describe it is I'm in charge of daily operations. So whatever's happening on campus for Ask Rose, I take care of it. So I recruit, hire, and train all the tutors. I do the stats for our program. I do um, some payroll stuff. Did that before I left to come here this morning. I take care of all of our Genesis stuff. I'm the point person for our website. I don't do our website, um, but I work with the folks who do that. So um, I always joke we have another assistant director and his job is to be gone out promoting and my job is to stay home and take care of things at home. Make sure the wheels stay on the the bus, right? Yep. Yeah. So you talk a lot about training and Mm -hmm. enablement Mm -hmm. um, for your uh, Ask Rose Mm -hmm. um, tutors. Mm -hmm. And I think when we talked before, you said you really wanted that career in education. How are you melding both of those worlds with what you're doing now? So I started as a math teacher and now I do this. And so I'm not teaching a lot of math anymore because they're already really good at it. Um, But what we talk about now when we talk about training and that sort of thing, we have this saying at Rose Holman that everyone's an educator, regardless of if you're in the classroom or not. We talk about 
what it looks like to be professional, what it looks like to have a job, that like a huge part of it is coming to work. That is not something that all 18 and 19 year olds know. We talk about what it looks like to be professional. We talk a lot about how to work with students and um, how they should behave when they're on a call and just things that they may not have thought about. We talk about you know, we are on a college campus. There are some things that are acceptable there that are not acceptable <laughs> other places. So we talk about that sort of thing as well. Give us an idea of the type of folks or the type of students that call in to Ask Rose. We have a wide range. Our most common questions come from Algebra 1, um, but we have mainly grades 6 through 12. So we have the students that are struggling, um, that aren't, you know, the best math and science students, but they need some extra help. We have the students that are in the AP Calc and the AP Chem courses and need some help with that kind of stuff. We have, we're starting to get a lot more younger students calling, like in fourth and fifth grade, even though we don't technically start till sixth. We'll help anybody that calls. Um, I was in a meeting not too long ago with a some people in my community and one of them said, Lindsay, we're going to have to start calling you. My son's in fifth grade. I already don't know how to do his math. He's getting frustrated. I'm like, oh, just contact us now. Like, let's not get confused. Probably my favorite is when parents call, though, Mm -hmm. um, because they're like, I don't know how to do this. Can you explain it to me so I can explain it to my child? And so we'll do that. We do speakerphone calls with parents and children together. So we have a wide variety. Mm -hmm. Um, We are we started officially for Indiana students, but we help people from across the country. So um, a wide variety that we help. Lindsay, how do they engage with you? Is it primarily through phone? Do you do instant messages? Do you do chat? So we do phone, chat, and email. Chat is our largest growing channel. And phone is still it's still what we get the most of. It's about 45% of what we do. And chat's about 35% of what we do. Um, our email just keeps dropping, which we're totally fine with because it's our least preferred method. The reason we do emails because we're open limited hours. We're only open from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Thir- Sunday through Thursday. So if that's the only way we can help you, then absolutely that's how we'll help you. But we prefer those live methods because we get to interact with the student and ask them questions right away and, and figure out if they need more help or if they got what they need right away rather than going back and forth through an email. There was, when I was growing up, I was pretty good at math. Uh, I usually pulled, you know, uh, a high B or somewhere in the mid A range with math. And all the way through kind of seventh grade, it was the uh, pre-algebra, getting into algebra. And then I think it was my freshman year of high school where that kind of changed for me. And I think the reason it changed, or maybe the reason it changed, was I got a math teacher that... I just had a hard time with personally. I felt like he didn't like me. I felt like I didn't like him for some reason. And uh, so I'm totally blaming all of my bad grades in high school uh, from that math <laughs> Many teacher, people by the way. do. Yes, Many I'm, people I'm, do. I'm, yes, exactly. So I'm going to blame him for that and, and not me. I'm not going to take any responsibility. So I have two questions. One, where was Ask Rose when I was in high school? I'm very upset that it wasn't there because I could have done better probably. Uh, And secondly, my actual question is, what makes a good math teacher? You've been a math teacher, you've been an educator, and now you manage a staff of these college age tutors, and you've got to make sure that they're actually enabling and communicating well and connecting well 
to the folks that call in or uh, email or chat in that are essentially their students, albeit for a limited time. So what makes that good math teacher? A lot of things. Obviously, you have to know the content, but that I think is the easiest part. The biggest thing is you, you need to be able to relate to the student. When I interview our tutors, I always say, tell me a time when you struggled academically. Tell me about a time when somebody helped you. Because it's important to understand where that student is. Um, when I was in high school, when I was taking AP Calculus, if you told me someday I would teach AP Calculus, I would have told you you were on crack. Like, <laughs> I remember what it's like to struggle. I remember when I took linear algebra in college and I was in my professor's office hours in his office every week because it was not easy for me. And so I, I think it's really important. And whether or not you struggle with math, from our tutor's perspective, when you struggled with something. So think about a time when you struggled with it um, and be put yourself in their shoes, be empathetic and sympathetic towards them. Think about what would help somebody who's just so confused they don't know what to do. Um, and so I think that is the biggest part of what we do is just relating to the student, understanding where they are, and going to where they are and helping them and bringing them up to where they need to be. Let me ask you that question. When was a time when you struggled with something and somebody came to you and was really able to uh, get you out of the weeds and clarify what you were struggling with and how did that occur? I mean, it definitely happened when I took linear algebra in college and it was really hard for me. Like how to, I worked at it, but I could work and it was I could get through it, no problem. And so I did well in that, enjoyed it. And then I go into linear algebra and my professor, he taught all three of these classes for me. He gave a quiz every Friday. And in calculus, I always got nines and tens on them all. And then I go into linear algebra and I get a three out of 10 on the first one. I was like, oh no, this isn't good. And so I just started going to his office all the time. Um, I played golf in college and my coach's office was right next to my professor's office. And they joked they were going to put my name, get a nameplate and put it on the chair in my professor's office. But like he knew I was coming. He like we saw each other all the time. And so he was always willing to help me. And he was ready for me when I came, you know, and he walked me through it, which is strange because I'm not normally like this at all. I sometimes didn't like to ask questions in that class because I was the youngest. Like normally I'll ask a question of anyone anywhere. But he would just sit there and work with me, and I'd be like, well, I got this far, and now I don't know what to do. And, like, he always made it fun. Like, so they joked around they were going to put my nameplate on there. But, you know, it was always a, a safe environment to go ask questions and um, always supportive and wonderful. So that was a, that made a huge difference for me. I remember when I first when I got my first 9 out of 10 in linear algebra, um, I went to school in Missouri, and I'm from northern Indiana, and I scanned the picture and sent it home to my mom, and she printed it and put it on the refrigerator and made my dad and brother look at him like, look, Lindsay finally got an A in linear algebra on one of her quizzes. So. And was your family like, ugh, at last, linear algebra is so easy. What took her so long? Uh, not quite. My mom might have thought that way. My mom was a math teacher as well, but she's really great. She's really sympathetic and empathetic. So that's why she celebrated when I got that nine out of 10. She knew it was a big deal to me. <laughs> well, it sounds like a lot of what you're talking about in the heart of a really good teacher and uh, in the heart of one of uh, a really good tutor in your field is a lot comes down to empathy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's interesting. And that's a harder thing to teach if it can be taught at all. You can learn how to do math, even the most complicated of maths, but learning how to be empathetic to people is a, is a much different skill and much harder to come by. How do you coach your tutors to get that 
Yeah. Piece, right? So I think a lot of people have more empathy than they realize, but they need to be, they need to learn what empathy is. They need to say, okay, I want you to think back when you were really frustrated or when you had a really hard time and think about what that felt like. And so I think, especially for the age of people I'm working with, they're, you know, they're becoming adults. They're technically adults, but they're <laughs> still figuring out what that means. And so just to stop and say, hey, have you thought about it from the other person's perspective and help them to see from other points of view, coach them into that, have conversations with them, I think goes a long way. Sometimes you have to awaken that empathy right. in a person. They don't realize that it's needed and that it's there. Right. So in a call center mm-hmm. type of environment, you're usually measured on mm-hmm. how many calls you can get through or whatever. But when you're sitting down with a student that's really struggling through, it could take a while. Mm-hmm. And especially with being able to show your empathy and being able to have that time with them, that luxury, time is a luxury mm-hmm. at this point. So what are some of the ways that you measure success? So we do say that time is a luxury, and it's fortunately a luxury that we have. And so our goal is not to end a session quickly. Our goal is to make sure that that student understands it. We do a lot of customer service satisfaction surveys, um, and one of the things we ask students is, could you do a similar problem on your own? So that is really how we're measuring success because we don't want them to keep calling us back about the same thing. Our goal is that we've helped them through it and we've done enough problems with them that they have it figured out. Mm-hmm. And so what I always say is like, and don't worry about like our business. They're going to learn something new tomorrow. So they'll call back with a new question <laughs> tomorrow. That's fine. You know, like they're right. going to keep learning new things. But that is huge for us is did they have a good experience? So they'll contact us again. That's one of the questions we ask them. And then do you think you could do a similar problem on your own? That is really huge for us is to get them to try and do those sorts of things on their own. If I call in, if I'm struggling with my Algebra Mm 2, and I call in and let's say I get a tutor named Alice, and Alice is really, really good at connecting the missing pieces for me, and we have success in our relationship working through these Algebra 2 problems, if I call back or if I contact you again, am I going to get Alice again? Can I ask for her? How does that work as far as returning students to a particular tutor that was very helpful to them? So if you call back in the same night you will, and she's available, you will probably automatically be routed to her. If you call back on a different night, absolutely we always say request someone. Because, you know, like you mentioned, you're, you're a freshman high school teacher, you guys did not click. And that's going to happen. That happens with everyone. People click better with certain people than others. And there's nothing wrong with that. And so what we always say is if, if there's a tutor that a student clicks well with and they work well with them, they should absolutely request them. Our tutors work an average of about two nights a week, so they're not necessarily always there. But we say, yeah, request someone if you've worked with them and it worked well. And if they're there, we'll transfer you so you can talk to that person. Do you see a lot of return students? Do you have any data that says, hey, this is how many people return to us after us having solved a problem or two with them? Yeah, we have a lot. And that's one thing we know. Um, We have a lot of data. One thing that we know is that once students contact us, they will often keep contacting us. The struggle is to get them to contact us the first time. Um, And so that's why I always tell, like, I'll, I'll be out meeting people, talking to parents, and they're like, well, I try to get my son to call, but he just, he doesn't want to. He's scared. And for a high schooler, I understand that, you know, I 
I like to ask questions of anyone. So if there's someone that's going to help me for free and will let me ask them all my questions, I'm like, oh, sign me up, you know. But I get that for a middle schooler or a high schooler, that can be scary. So I tell parents all the time, call with your student, put it on speakerphone. Because what we know is once students talk to a tutor and they've experienced it and it goes well, they're going to contact again. They need to feel safe. That's a huge thing in education is feeling safe enough to ask the questions, to learn, to struggle through that. And so we want them to feel comfortable. With more and more schools emphasizing STEM, are you seeing a lot more calls coming in or is it still pretty much the same? So we've seen a change and how questions are answered. So we started in 1991, and when we started, we were just for our area. Mm -hmm. I say we, I was not there then. Um, My boss started this program in 1991. And so back then we used to get questions because you know, this was before Google was everywhere. We used to get simple questions like, what's the quadratic formula? And so you just tell somebody what it is and then they go on. Now we get complex questions. So there are so many resources everywhere, you know. You can watch a YouTube video about anything, any math topic, anything in the world. So what we find is that we're getting more complex questions. We've also found, so when you contact us, we keep it pretty simple. You indicate if it's a math question, a science question, or a miscellaneous. We have, with the rise of STEM, we've seen our um, miscellaneous and science questions go up because when students are taking computer science or a project lead the way course or something that is titled an engineering course, they don't know in our system whether or not to call that math, science, or miscellaneous. So we've seen like our call, average call time has gotten a lot longer. And in a lot of contact centers, that would be a problem. And ours were like, well, that's fine because we know that like they did all the basic quadratic formula questions and now this one has fractions or negatives or it's um, it's not working out because they're getting imaginary numbers or whatever and so they're struggling with the more complicated things they have lots of resources to answer the easy questions I don't know what would be considered uh, <laughs> because when you said you know we'll get an easy question like what's the quadratic formula in my brain I'm going oh no that is not an easy question <laughs> um, so uh, if, I think if I was one of your employees sitting in a call center uh, really wanting to help people, I would be terrified the whole time thinking, am I going to get a question that I cannot answer? Is that ever a problem that your tutors run into? And if so, how do they overcome that? Do they bring in somebody else? Yeah, so that's what I tell them all the time is we expect you to try everything. And it's not like if you push math that you're going to get a math major and they're going to help you. We would never have enough math majors and like the mechanical engineers would never get a question because nobody's from high school is calling with that kind of question. So they're expected to try everything, but we don't expect anyone to know everything. That's what I always tell them. We have a lot of resources available for our tutors in the contact center. We are big fans of Google. Sometimes we look stuff up, you know. (laughs) I don't remember the standard formulas of hyperbolas and parabolas and ellipses, and I haven't done them in a long time. So if I'm taking calls and somebody asks me, I'm like, ooh, yeah, I can help you with that. Give me just one second so that I can double check. But we work together a lot. So we have resources available and that we kind of have steps for troubleshooting if you get something you don't know how to do, that you use the paper resources, the electronic resources that are available. And then if you can't find something there, because we also don't want to waste people's time. So if you can't 
find what you need than grab somebody else. So, and sometimes it's, sometimes, you know, you'll be right next to somebody and you know that they're, they're friends, you know, they take classes together. They live in residence halls together. They're in sororities and fraternities together. So sometimes they know, oh, this person's a physics major. They're really good. And I don't remember this. So I can just ask them my quick question and they'll tell me. We also talk about that if you don't know and you ask somebody, I'm not a big fan of transferring calls um, when a tutor doesn't know how to do something because we want the tutor that knows how to do it to help the caller, but also help the tutor. So that, and we talk about constantly adding to their toolboxes. And yeah, you may not be a chemistry major, but that's the most science questions we get are from chemistry. So when there's something that comes up in chemistry and you don't know how to do it or don't remember it, and you ask a chemistry major about it, have them explain it to you too, so you understand it. So our tutors are constantly learning from students and from each other. This is very insightful stuff. Nate and I are scratching our heads going hyperbolas and parabolas. <laughs> We're gonna it's ta- like my second language. I get everything you're saying. Everything We're going to take a short commercial break while we brush up on our math skills. Well, and we'll be right back. Uh, calculus 2 textbook real fast. <laughs> Hello again, Josh Reed here, producer of Take a Moment. And as we continue our conversation with Lindsay Hall from Rose Holman, we dive deeper into the business of running a student-driven contact center with the help of Genesis Cloud, previously PureCloud. She mentions the best contact center technology is one that you can implement and then forget about because you know it's working. And that's how easy it is with Genesis Cloud. To learn more about Rose Holman, their contact center, and what it would look like on your first day in a contact center powered by Genesis Cloud, be sure to check out the resources below on genesis.com. And thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe and share and stay tuned for the next episode of Take a Moment. All right. Well, we took a quick study break. We're back now with Lindsay Hall from Rose Holman. And Nate has a not math related question <laughs> to ask Rose. I know, because during our study break, I learned all I will ever need to know about Calc 2. And uh, what was it? Linear algebra? Was that Yes, it? linear algebra. Yeah, and yeah, imaginary numbers. Exactly. <laughs> I'm actually going to apply to be one of your tutors, Lindsay. So uh, I'll be t- uh, offline. I'll be sending you a, a resume. No, I, I'm interested in tools because you can have the best possible people in the right positions. But if they don't have the right tools to execute what they're trying to do, it doesn't work. If the uh, person who's trying to build a house, if they don't have the right tools, it's not going to be the great, the greatest house. Uh, you guys have had this amazing resource of Ask Rose that has grown over a, a number of years. And I'm curious what the technology is behind that that's actually powering those interactions and is that tool useful to you? What is it and why is it, uh, why is it your preferred method of, of interacting? So the tools behind it are really important because without those tools, we don't have a way to interact with all the students that contact us. When I started, you know, I'm, I'm a math teacher. I'm not a technology person. I do love technology. But when I started to ask girls, like I didn't know what an IVR was or what it stood for or any of that kind of stuff. And so I... Um, started and I'm in charge of this piece of technology that um, handles every interaction that we have, which is important because that's all that we do is these tutoring interactions. Um, and so the the tool we had did not work and it was rather frustrating. Um, and so it's frustrating on my end because 
it's my responsibility and I'm supposed to be taking care of it and it's not working well. But it's really frustrating on the students end because they rely on us to be there for them. You know, we hear from students that say, we're so glad you're available and that you help us and that's free to the students because private tutors are expensive and families can't afford that. And so I started looking for a new tool for us, which Genesis Cloud is what we call it now. And really, I think what is best about the tool is that we don't notice it. And so it just works for us and it's not causing any problems and we can connect to the student that needs help and not have to deal with technology and all that stuff. And it just works. So we talk to the student and we're here to do math. We're here to do science. We're here to help you with your chemistry or your physics or whatever you're working on. And so it's important for us to have a good tool that works and that we can connect with those students. You said that um, chat has been something that's become a lot more popular. Mm -hmm. Do you think video is something that might become? So video terrifies me. Yeah. Because I used to be a high school math teacher, and I know (laughs) what high schoolers will do in a classroom with a teacher (laughs) and a bunch of other students. And one of the things I train our tutors on is they are minors. We are not. You know, Um, so we would like to do we do some video tutoring, but right now we only do it like uh, in after school programs or so like we have a relationship with a teacher or a director of a of a program of some sort. And so we'll do some video tutoring with them. Mm -hmm. We don't do it one on one because we haven't figured out a good, safe way for everyone involved. I mean, it is beneficial. Like the best way to teach someone is sitting next to them. Right. But, you know, we can't help people across the state and across the country sitting next to them. So phone and chat come in, and and that is another great way. We also use some other tools. Um, we use a whiteboard application, an online whiteboard application, mm-hmm. so that we can draw and the student can draw. It's really beneficial, like, when you're trying to help somebody with geometry and right. they're doing the triangles unit and they can't tell you the difference between, you know, isosceles, scalene, equilateral. They don't know what a right triangle is. What they even look like, right, yeah. to conceptualize yeah. it. Yeah, when they're drawing uh, chemical structures out. Um, so we have some things like that. We It used to be simple that we could have every textbook, but education's changing and evolving, and so they're not always using textbooks. We don't know what textbooks they're using. Education has changed in that way, and so we also have a way that students can send us a picture of what they're working on. Um, the school I taught at, we went one-to-one with devices my last year, and so I would send my students PDFs, and they could just um, do like do their practice problems on their iPad and send them back to me. So when I created this tool so that they could send us files, I thought we'd get a lot of PDFs. But we get pictures, pictures of textbooks, pictures of computer screens, pictures of workbooks, um, whatever they're doing, they send, here's what I'm looking at, because you need to be, It's most of the time it's very beneficial to look at the same exact thing. And so if we don't have their book or they don't use a book anymore, they use an online book that we can't access, they can send us what they're working on and when we're both looking at the same thing, that gets us closer to being sitting next to them, helping them with something. If you run into somebody who just says, listen, I don't I don't get why I need to learn Algebra 2. Mm-hmm. What is it about Algebra 2? That's not what I want to do. I don't want to be in the field of science. 
or mathematics. Um, I'm interested in whatever else, literature or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, what do you say to that student who you really want to make the connection to say like, yeah, I know you don't see how you're going to use this, but it's mm -hmm. really important because of X, Y, and Z. I remember having conversations probably with my homeroom students when I taught, but um, I remember vividly one conversation, and I said this a lot after that, is I had a student who just didn't want to, and I was not this student's math teacher, I just knew this student, who was mad at their math teacher, didn't want to learn it, and I said, when you refuse to do math, you're slamming doors of opportunity shut. You're right, you may never use this algebra too, but you also have no idea what you're going to do. Like, your life is a long time. I never thought I'd be sitting recording a podcast, you know. I never <laughs> thought I would know a lot of things about context center software. I do love math, but I never thought I'd be doing anything with software like this. So I say there's a lot of doors of opportunity that you're closing if you refuse to try it. And I would say that about lots of subject matters. So some people love math and don't love the arts and literature and that sort of thing. And so you're missing out on a ton of stuff. There's a lot of wonderful things in literature that you're missing out on if you refuse to learn them. I would also say to that student about math is it's a lot of critical thinking. And so you're training your brain. And probably what I would be most passionate about is the perseverance to do something difficult. Like your whole life, you're going to have hard things. Your whole life, you're going to be faced with difficult things. And so start now building that muscle to persevere through something difficult so that you are used to that. And so right now it's Algebra 2. Someday you might be the parent of a toddler, and that's something difficult, you know. And so whatever it is, like there is value in struggling through something. There is value in doing something that is not your favorite but that you can learn from. And so you're going to learn some Algebra 2 content, but you're going to learn other things about life and how to get through challenges when you go through that Algebra 2 content. Just sticking I wish through I would it, have yeah. had a math teacher explain that to me in that way uh, when I was going through probably early, my early high school they don't uh, always days. like it when you explain that to them. Sometimes they just look at you <laughs> and roll it. your yeah, eyes. That's and like, true. And then they stop away. And then they stop away. Yeah. I used to tell my students, you don't have to like it. You just have to do it. Like, I, I know that you're probably not going to love it like I do. And that's okay. But I want you to not hate it. And I want you to know that when you need to learn this, you can learn it. And you don't have to learn it on your own. There's lots of resources that you can get help from, but I don't want you to be afraid of trying something because it's hard or because you don't want to. I want you to get used to trying things that are hard and doing things that you don't want to do because that's a valuable skill in life. In your experience as an in-the-classroom teacher, what uh, age ranges did you teach? I taught high school math. I taught pre-algebra, algebra one, geometry, and AP calculus. What was the most challenging and or most rewarding kind of uh, class or course or age group to teach? Or even student. So, it, I mean, it just depends. I had this kid. So pre-algebra is actually in Indiana a middle school course. And we there was one year when the DOE let us teach it in high school. And so that was the year that I taught it. I was the lead teacher at the school I was um, at for the Algebra One course. And I had freshmen, sophomore, and juniors. So I had sophomores and juniors take in seventh grade course. And I had a kid that got in trouble and school was not his thing. And he just kind of, you know, was there because he had to be, wasn't really interested in learning. And he was one of my favorite students ever. He would not do math, but because he and I built a relationship 
I could get him to do some math. And he had some learning disabilities, and, and I'm sure that that is part of why he would not do math. But when he would sign out of his homeroom or his study hall and come to my room and sit down and work on math for me, like that, that was fantastic. So that was really rewarding. AB Calculus was also really interesting because for a lot of people who have been good at math, that's the first time they struggle with it. That was my experience. And so to watch these kids that are used to just clicking right through their math, and now it's hard, and they're like, ugh, what do I do now? To watch them struggle through something and then, like, get it and be like, oh, and, and, like, they can empathize with all their friends that hate math now, you know? They can, like, I know what it's like to struggle with homework. I know what it's like to not finish it before I leave and take it home and work on it and that sort of thing. And so just to watch them have those first experiences and, and go through that and to be able to help them through it. Like, I don't want people to struggle, but it's part of life and we're going to have to. So to be able to help them through that type of thing. What made you interested in pursuing math? Because math, everybody feels like it's like such a Mm -hmm. stigma wise. They say, oh, it's such a boy thing. Mm -hmm. Like what made you go, you know what? I want to be not only a teacher, but a math teacher. So my mom is a retired math and chemistry teacher. So like it was never a boy thing because it's what my mom did, Mm -hmm. you know, and I in high school, did not want to be a math teacher. I thought, well, why would I want to do that? You know, I took AP Calculus, and it was hard the first time I took it. I ended up taking Calculus three times, and I say by the third time you take it, it's really easy, you know. And so it was just kind of trial and error. I started at Purdue as a chemistry major because I wanted to go undeclared, but my mom didn't want me to. So I was like, okay, I'll try chemistry. And by midterm, I was like, I'm not doing this for four years. And I changed to elementary ed, and then I transferred schools at the end of the year had to have a minor where I transferred to. So I was like, well, math can be my minor. I can do it. It's not what I, at the time, I thought it's not what I love. But then as I got in and started doing it, and I had some practicum experience. And so it was interesting. One semester I was, I thought I wanted to teach first grade. And I was doing a practicum in first grade. And then because of my math minor, I was also doing a practicum with high schoolers. And like these first graders, trying to teach them to read. I was like, I don't understand phonics, you know? And then, like, I remember the day, the whole class, we had to get with all the first graders, and it was about brushing your teeth. And I was like, don't they learn this at home? Aren't their mom and dad teaching them how to do this? So I was having that experience in the elementary setting. So, like, I love the kids. But then I was also in the high school setting, and I was in an Algebra 2 classroom, and I really enjoyed the content. I really enjoyed the high schoolers. And so I was like, this makes sense. This fits. And so two weeks into my junior year, I changed my major again. And that's how I wound up teaching high school math. It's really funny how you talk about you realized this when you were doing the practicum, when you Mm -hmm. were doing. We had a conversation um, earlier with an entrepreneur and CEO who always touted that to do Mm -hmm. and that the doing part is missing Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times. So as an educator, Mm -hmm. where do you see the doing and the learning coming together? Well, as a math educator, (laughs) that's why you do your homework. You know, when you do that homework, that's when you learn it. And so um, I think that's important in every aspect. Like you can't just sit through a seminar or a class or a lecture and learn something you actually have to apply what you learned. And so you don't know it until you do it. So I, th- I really encourage people and something I wish I had done better. And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and I'm a little older than I used to be, obviously. So I've learned and matured. <laughs> but I wish that when I was in high school and college, I would have tried more things, you know, because now I look at other careers. And I'm like, oh, that's fascinating. 
maybe I should have majored in that, you know, I'm like, <laughs> but I never thought about that sort of thing. And so um, I think it's important to try lots of different things and um, see how they go, see what you like. You don't know what you like till you do it. I think many of us are formed and shaped not only by our parents or legal guardians, whoever raises at home, but in large part, you know, kids, as we're growing up, we spend most of our time inside of the classroom mm -hmm. being influenced by one teacher or another. Mm -hmm. Outside, I know your mother was very influential mm -hmm. uh, on you. Is there anybody in your education life, and I know you spoke about a coach and a teacher uh, in college as well, is there anybody that you thought that person really is the pinnacle of what an educator should be, at least in my viewpoint, and what was it, uh, what was remarkable about them? Obviously my mom, she's really great. Um, but I had another teacher in high school, and she was a, a FACS, a family and consumer sciences teacher. And her husband is also the golf pro that I worked for, and their son, I graduated with him. And so, so I knew her, and that is why I took four years of sewing in high school, because she taught it. But she was pretty amazing. And she got to know students, and I will never forget I was at their house one time in high school and I was all freaked out about something and like didn't know what I was going to do. And I can't even remember what I was upset about. But I remember she looked at me and with her finger pointed towards me, she looked at me and said, you are a better problem solver than this. You can do this. And like she did that for so many kids, that type of thing. I remember there was a student who came from a rough background. It was graduation. He didn't have a cap and gown. He didn't have dress clothes to wear to graduation. Um, and she saved her son's caps and gowns, and she went to the J.C. Penney's, which is all we had in our little town, bought black dress shoes for him, took them to his house, made sure that he had shoes and the cap and the gown, made sure he was at graduation, and that sort of thing. So your content is, yeah, that's important, but I think the pinnacle of teaching is reaching out to students and teaching them so much more than just the content in your course and getting to know them and encouraging them and, and pushing them towards all the things that they can do, helping them realize what they're capable of. I think sometimes it's, it is often those teachers that are the hardest on us, but like from a, from a place of genuine love and care for their students that often make the, the largest impact. Uh, I know I had one of, one of those, uh, many teachers in my life have made a huge impact on me, but when I think of a woman named Sherry Woodruff in high school, I had her for eighth grade English literature, and then she also taught us uh, drama and theater and stuff like that. And she just instilled in me a love of so many things and kind of shaped the rest of my existence in a way that she could never have known mm -hmm. that she was doing. But she was very, very hard on me. Like, and, and I think, and what made me think of her is because she knew when I was trying to cut corners or trying to like rest on my laurels or or glide through something because I had been successful at it before. She mm -hmm. didn't, you know, she wouldn't accept that. And I just absolutely love and cherish our teachers for that reason. I always say that students will meet your expectations, whatever those are. Wherever so, you set them. Yeah. yeah. So if they're low and they just have to hit this minimum, that's okay. But if you have high expectations, and it's important to have relationships to go with high expectations. But when you set a high expectation, and I mean, this extends anywhere, not just in the classroom and students, but with bosses and employees. Like if they're, if you set that high expectation, people will rise to meet those expectations. And I 
am a lazy bum on my own. So I really appreciate when someone sets a high expectation because I'm like, okay, I'm going to meet that expectation. But on my own, I'd be way down low not meeting that expectation. What are some of those expectations that you have for your tutors at Ask Rose? I expect that this is going to sound real basic. I expect they're going to be there. Like, I expect you to show up. We talk about that you need to be ready to work with those kids. And sometimes those kids are really frustrated or struggling and they might seem rude, but they don't mean to be. It's just that they've been working on that stupid problem for an hour. And so if you've had a bad day, you need to take a minute before you come into work and you need to take a deep breath and say, okay, I'm at Ask Rose. I'm going to leave all the bad stuff at the door and I'm going to come in and help these kids. Expectation that they try, that they learn. You know, we're expecting our students that are contacting us to do that. We want them to learn things when they don't know what to do. We're teaching them to reach out for help. So we expect that our tutors will reach out for help as well. That I, Those are some of the biggest things that we talk about. As you've kind of grown up through Pure Cloud and now Genesis Cloud, what do you see for the future of technology and with tutoring and how they, those two things come together? Oh, that's a good question. I think what is most important is, going back to that tools question, having the tools that students want to use. So we're dealing with middle schoolers and high schoolers. They're the early adopters of most technologies. And I am getting further and further away from that age, you know. And so making sure that... Um, we stay on top of technology, that we know how students are using technology, and that we are taking steps to make that technology available for them. So, you know, we could be just phones, but, you know, kids don't know you can actually talk in phones. They think you can only, like, type messages on them. So adding chat and having – so before we switched to Pure Cloud, our chat was the most unreliable piece we had. You know, we're open 180-ish days a year. And our chat was down like over 40 times. Oh, wow. Right. And so and that's how kids want to interact with us, even though that is not my preferred way to interact. (laughs) That's how they want to interact. So I think for tutoring and education and there's so many options available now. So staying current on what the technology is and making sure that we have those offerings available so that students can contact us in the way that they feel safe. That's really what it comes down to. If they don't feel safe, they're not going to contact us through whatever channel. So what, what, how we feel about that channel doesn't matter. How the student feels about it is what matters. Do you see how maybe possibly AI could play a role in some of that? So that is something that is on my to-do list to learn more about and that I'm working on. And, and so our thing is you can just talk to a person and they will help you. You don't have to search through and watch seven YouTube videos on it. So there are some elements of AI, yes. But one of the the biggest things that we do is that personal touch that when you've watched five videos and it still doesn't make sense, you can contact us. So I know that students are becoming very used to AI and so following how they use it Mm -hmm. so that we are offering it the way they need. I mean, like some simple things is like when we just had a meeting about this last week is like setting up so that you can say, okay, Google, call Ask Rose. Hey, Alexa, call Ask Rose, (laughs) those sorts of things. So like some very basic things, but we're still exploring and learning about what that looks like for us and how how that fits in, given our model. What do you wish that North American society in general knew or understood more or more deeply about teachers, about what it is to be a teacher and the struggles that you face? Teachers are people too. 
teachers have bad days too. They bring lots of stuff in the classroom with them, just like kids do. But really, I wish that people knew how much teachers cared. You know, like I would go to school all day, and then I'd coach, and then I'd go to other games or plays or choir programs because, like, those were my kids too. Sure, I did not birth them, but I spent every day with them. And, like, I cared about them. And, like, when they were upset, I was upset. When bad things happened to them, it mattered to me. And so I wish that North America knew how much teachers care about their kids and care about what they're doing. And I wish it was more like that we all loved education and that we all valued it in the same way and that we all looked at it from a team effort, like that kids understood how important it was, that parents and teachers were all on the same team and that we're all here to help kids and to uplift them and to bring them alongside. There are a lot of movies that take place around people with very high math skills. You know, I won't name any characters or or anything like that because I want an honest response from you. Do you have like a favorite kind of mathematics-centered movie where you're like, oh, I love how they're using math in in that movie? Well, I'm not a big movie person. I'd much rather listen to music than watch a movie. But one math movie that I did really love was Proof with Gwyneth Paltrow. Love that movie. And a great play. A great play and a movie based off that play. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know it was a play. Yeah, yeah, it was a oh, play we'll at first. See? There, you yeah, go. there you go. <laughs> My favorite part is when the professors that are the band, when they do the song Imaginary Numbers and they stand there and do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're imaginary, <laughs> imaginary. numbers and, like, uh, and nobody gets uh, it but the math people, you know. Man, so. it, it kills with the math people. Everybody it else did. in the theater is silent, but math people. It did. Our math fraternity in college went to see it together and we were the only people that got that part. Most oh, people were like, what's man. going on? Why are they laughing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lindsay, thank you so much for your dedication to advancing the education of students, for uh, your commitment to changing lives, to expanding minds. Thank you for everything that you've done uh, for our future leaders and today's students. And thank you, as always, for taking a moment with us. 